Our speaker today, Mike Birdie, explains why Born Unto You is more than a seasonal greeting. It's a year-round expression of peace. This is Awaken Online, a virtual library of the Sunday morning messages at Awaken Church in McMinnville, Oregon. Oh, good morning, and I appreciate once again the opportunity um, to stand in front of all of you. Um, I know that uh, we all bring a little different uh, feel or feed into this church. Um, I can tell you that when it comes to message, um, my wife loves the milk. And I know that uh, when Brother Dennis gets up, he likes a little bit of the meat, right? And so I was thinking of today's message on how it would line up between milk and solid food. And so to keep uh, in the Christmas spirit, today you get some milk and cookies. Are we okay with that? Because Christmas, you know, it is a unique time of year. It's the final month of our calendar year that we set aside one day to celebrate a beginning, to remember the start of what the church body refers to as the new covenant, a new promise, a new chapter, a new life awaiting the acceptance of a lost world desperately wanting to be found. But you know, Christmas is a busy season especially from the world's standards. A tradition of chaos on a treadmill that's just sped up. The shopping for presents, the parties with friends and coworkers, radio stations forgetting that Christmas carols are not the only songs they could play. <laughs> the children's performances at school and church and all the activity going on compressed in amount of time while the regular demands of life refuse to take the holiday off. Now let me assure you there is nothing wrong with enjoying the traditions of Christmas. There is no shame in buying your loved one a special gift or seeing who can wear the ugliest sweater. There's no harm in singing jingle bells or even allowing children to dream of a present left behind by a calorically challenged old man in a red suit. But traditions of this world are just that. They're traditions. A systematic means of taking time to celebrate. A time to think positively and hope for a brighter future. But as believers, we must also take time out of the Christmas chaos to reflect back on the one gift that not is, that's, that's not to come, but the one true gift that has already come. We all know that this is the time of year we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And from the 30,000 foot level, it is a miraculous birth of a baby that would change the course of human history. The birth of a baby that would walk among men with the purpose of displaying the Heavenly Father. A birth that would usher in the one true path to eternal salvation. 
But today, today I want us to set aside the chaos just for a moment and let us reflect on this monumental moment in history because we all know who was born. It's Jesus. We all know the why he was born. It was to save the world. But today, I want to revisit his birth from a slightly different vantage point. I would love nothing more than for all of us to take a moment and appreciate the individual application of this miraculous birth. To look at what is being born and sit in the blessing of knowing that Jesus was born unto you. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity once again. And as I sit amongst my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, I just pray that our hearts, our minds, our words will always be found to glorify you and to be acceptable in your sight. Lord, this is an amazing time of year. And let us just stop to take in the moment of your son and what his birth and preceding life has meant to us even thousands of years later. We do thank you again for a chance to come before you in worship and praise and in honor. So bless us as we look into your word at this time. And thank you for all of those that are here in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to start with Luke chapter 2. And we're going to go um, open that up in verses 8 through 14 of Luke 2. Normally, those of you know that I am a, I'm a New King Jimmy fan. Um, my translation of choice is the New King James. But as I was telling Carmen, I said, you know, when you read these passages in Luke, nothing sings sweeter than the King James Version. So we're, we're going to go King James a little bit on this one today. So uh, Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 8 through 14, and then we're actually going to highlight verse 11. And there were in the same com- country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's take a look at at verse 11, if you will. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The words unto you are very telling in this passage. They are two words that are one in the Greek. And Strong's states the Greek word human 
is characterized as being in the dative case. Now, you all know I'm not a scholar. And I sure don't know the English language very well. So I had to Google that. I had to look up what does it mean for a word to be in the dative case. And I was quickly led to the Department of Classics out of the Ohio State University. Everybody say the blessing. Go Buckeyes. Amen. <laughs> I always wanted to say go Buckeyes in church. The Ohio State University Department of Classics explains that the dative case is chiefly used to indicate the person for whom, that is for whose advantage or disadvantage, an action happens or a quality exists. All datives are datives of reference or they're datives of advantage-disadvantage. The dative case refers to a personal or effective interest in the action. It's laser-focused in its approach. It's very, very specific. It's not a 30,000-foot elevation level thought process. The point is, is though Jesus was born to save the world, Though he came for global reasons, he was also born unto you. He was born for your advantage. He was born for my advantage. His birth had universal implications and a global effect, but it was also to be designed to be a birth with individual advantage. And Mary... Jesus' mother, she got this. She understood this. Somehow, some way, this young teenager visited by an angel and told of what is to come of her life understood this very point. She understood it from the very beginning. If we look at Luke 1, 46 through 55, we're going to get evidence of this. This is a time where after Mary had been visited by the angel and it had been declared what was going to happen, Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who is John the Baptist's mother. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist, and we're not 100% sure, Scripture isn't clear on, on where Mary is as far as her actual pregnancy. But she goes and she sees Elizabeth. And during this visit, she sings one of the most beautiful songs of all of Scripture, of praise and appreciation for what's about to happen. And I'll start in verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who has, is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. 
He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good tidings and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. See, Mary caught this. She understood not only the global impact, but the individual application. She didn't give praise to herself. She never once sought recognition for her role in all of this. She praised God. She was so overwhelmed with gratitude that he chose her to be amongst the exalted lowly. Somehow, she understood the impact this birth would have on the individual. She clearly knew that this was a birth unto you. To better appreciate this emphasis on the individual advantage, we're going to journey back now hundreds of years earlier as we step back into the prophecies of Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah, there are several distinct passages that talk of what some call the suffering servant. Over a hundred years ago, looking at the song-like styles of these specific writings, the passages were dubbed the servant songs, and four songs were originally highlighted. Somewhere along the way, some decided that the last one listed up there would be, or should be considered, the fifth servant song. Now again, whether you, whether you call them servant songs, or exchange passage, or or passages on the suffering servant, the name isn't as significant. But I listed these passages up here for you because I really, really want to encourage you if you want a deeper dive on exactly what this season means. I really highly suggest that you take a look at these passages. And not only that, if you really want the meat of it, there is an amazing book called Behold My Servant by Brian Russell that really dives even deeper into these passages in Isaiah. What's so unique about these passages is that they don't just tell of the birth, life, and death of Jesus and his resurrection. But as you'll see as I share some of these passages with you, they are just not the words of God through a prophet, but these are passages where you actually get to hear the words of Jesus himself. So I have selected a handful of them that I'm simply going to read to you, and I'm going to mix a little bit. I'm going to start off these passages with Luke 2.11, and I'm going to finish with Luke 2.11 because I believe that there's a little bit of power when you start connecting Scripture. 
Let's see if this works. So right now, just meditate on what's being said and what's being read as I read from Isaiah and Luke. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Behold my servant whom I have uphold, my elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out, nor raise his voice, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth, He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands shall wait for his law. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. And he has said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will glorify. I will be glorified. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and he has chosen you. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak, a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me in the morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave my back to those who struck me and my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me, therefore I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed." The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me 
to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that they may be glorified. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Sit in that for just a minute, sorry. You know, Christmas is a fun and exciting season. It's also one of the most chaotic seasons of the year. We hustle, we bustle, we get our shopping done, the parties, the family get-togethers. Now again, as I want to state, none of this is bad. Traditions and activities of Christmas season are just that. And in and of themselves, I don't think anybody's sacrificing their faith. Singing Christmas carols about a frosty snowman does not mean that you are not a believer. Indulging in cookies and fudge does not mean you lose your salvation. Though I would recommend moderation with the eggnog, (laughs) attending a Christmas party does not make one a heretic. The only downset to the hectic pace is when it shifts our heart's focus. I know there were times in my life where the most joyous day of the Christmas season was December 26th because I got to say, it's finally over. Those were times where I failed to maintain proper focus. But when you maintain proper focus, born unto you stops being seasonal and it evolves into a year-round expression of peace. Born unto you is a heart focus that can promote your identity in Christ and motivate you into a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. Born unto you helps each believer see how precious you are in God's eyes and how he wholly desires to use, your, use you every day to reach those in needs as we become good stewards of his manifold grace. Born unto you is the reason why the angels brought forth a never-ending good tidings of great joy. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Celebrating the birth of Jesus Jesus should be and needs to be our main priority, not just in season, but off season as well. His birth was monumental. It was one of the most monumental days in history, and it changed the course of mankind in one day.
His birth advanced God's plan from creation and started in motion the fulfillment of prophecies declared centuries prior. His birth was and is impactful to the entire world. The effects of his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection have a tremendous global effect to this very day. No questions asked. But even though these global and far-reaching effects are known, understood, and absolutely true, never, never, never forget that Jesus was also born unto you. Thank you for joining us today. For more information about Awakened Church, please visit our website, awakenmac.com. That's A-W-A-K-E-N-M-A-C dot C-O-M.